Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, BBC Radio 1 and 6 music DJ, Edith Bowman. Thanks. My dad's at the back there cheering. Thanks very much, Dad. Um, welcome along this evening. Great crowds. Great to have you all here. Very excited to, uh, to bring two gentlemen out here to talk about this incredible journey of a film. But before we do, uh, let's take a look at what it's all about. This is filth. Morning. Consultation, Bruce. No problems, I presume. You're a terror, Bruce. Bingo. Uh, please welcome to the stage uh, Mr. James McAvoy and screenwriter and director of film John S. Baird. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Um, Hello. The trailer's great, because you actually can't really show that much, to be honest. We don't want to give too much away as well to people as well. Always tricky things, trailers, do you find? Yeah, we, we tried quite a few different uh, uh, combinations of trailers, and um, eventually we, 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 we sort of took Clockwork Orange as a reference, and, and the sort of quick flashes at the beginning with the, you know, with the cards coming up through. We thought it was a nice sort of idea, and it's, it's quite a mad film like that, you know. It's quite sort of vibrant and surreal and heightened. So we kind of started to work around that and then went from there, you know. Um, John, I've got to start by asking you, where, where, where do you start when you get the rights, or how do you even go about getting the rights to, to an Irvine Welsh book and, and start thinking about making that transformation of it into a film? Yeah, I, I was introduced to, to the writer through a, through a mutual friend and, and got the rights from him. And then um, I'd always loved the book. And it, it's quite a tricky book to adapt. So it was a big challenge, you know, because there's a, there's a tapeworm that sort of talks, you know, right through the middle of the book, which is a bit weird. Um, but, you know, without elaborating and, and boring everybody to death, um, um, <laughs> basically what I did was I... Uh, stop. Um, I uh, just broke it down into little place cards and I wrote every scene onto place cards and I put them on my office wall and just stepped back and looked at the wall and I said, right, that's the whole book as, as one. I just started distilling it down and amalgamating characters and storylines and going from there and just almost putting it through a sieve, yeah. uh, for want of a better metaphor, you know. And was, was Irvin at all involved in the process with you? I mean, he, he's, he's, he seems very involved in terms of... You know, he's proud of the film. Yeah. He seems to be very proud of, of what you've done with his work. Yeah, he, he wasn't involved in writing a script. He, he, uh, because he's, he tried to do it before in one of his... Uh, sorry, I've got, I've got a comedian next to me, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just clumsy. Uh, <laughs> he will talk in a while. Just get the boring bit out of the, out of the way. Yeah, he, he, anyway, so, so um, he, um, he wasn't involved. He didn't, you know, wasn't actively involved writing a script. He'd tried to do it before. Or he'd done it before one of his other novels, and he, and he wasn't very happy with the result. Um, so he left me to go and do that, and then 
you know, I worked with Ken, the producer, on developing a script, and um, and we did that, and then uh, presented it to Irvin, and thankfully he was he was very happy with it, and then he kind of put his name to the project after after he was, you know, he was being clever as well about it, because he thought if this <laughs> script turns out to be a little bit of shite, then you know, uh, my name's not going on it. So he 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 put he put his name to it, and then went out, and we both then we met Mr. McAvoy, um, and then Q Q James, you know, Q James. Had you, had you read the book? Who were you? No. No, I hadn't. Um, and actually, I, I started making the film not having read the book. Irvin and John suggested that I not read it. Uh, and largely because they are very different. I mean, they are very similar in terms of tone and their darkness and their comedy and, and uh, their depravity. Uh, but they are very different in terms of the narrative drive. This film is very much about sort of Bruce's uh, disintegration. Uh, and his mind falling apart. Um, what is the book isn't really, uh, and that's something that John did brilliantly, I think, because um, Irvin's work is incredible in the format that he designed it for. But it's, it's difficult to put filth on camera, and it's why it's proven difficult numerous times actually, for years since he wrote it. Um, uh, and what John did brilliantly is he found a through-line narrative that isn't really there in the book in the same way that it is in the film. And that is his mental state and his revealing, or the or the rev the constant revelations that, that, that his mental state is bad and that it is getting worse and, and all of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't read the book. No. Have you read it since? Nah. Yes, I have. <laughs> uh, it's bedtime reading, right? Shy. No, it's really good. Um, yes, I have, and it's harrowing. I mean, we made a dark, we made a very funny, entertaining film, but we also made a very, very uh, harrowing and disturbing film, um, and. To say that the book is even more disturbing and harrowing <laughs> is 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 terrifying. But because we really did go for it with the film, and yet the book just trumps you in terms of yeah. of that darkness. Really, you, you couldn't have done a little. You couldn't do a literal translation of the book because nobody would go to the cinema to see it. You know, well, you had to just come out needing therapy for months after. I don't yeah. even think you'd need therapy. I think <laughs> you'd just shut off from it within f 10, 15 minutes. We talked about this the other night, actually, where you know. Uh, Quite like in the first pages of the book, my character, uh, there's a scene in the film where we're in an underpass and this student has just been killed and, and, uh, and a character approaches that character. In the book, the character then finishes off this dead person by with a high heel shoe and smacking it into his head. Now, that kind of violence and that kind of gr gruesome violence continues throughout the book. If we'd have done that in a film, I don't think you'd have stuck with it emotionally uh, never mind even empathising with the character. I think you'd have shut down. I don't think yeah. you would really have needed therapy because you'd just have been a bit like, like yeah. that. And, it was, and, and I think film is a medium that is much more interested in what's going on inside yeah. rather than necessarily the physical violence that we can do to each other. Of course, we're interested in physical violence because we've got action movies left, right and centre and there is some physical violence in this. But this is a film about what's happening inside somebody's head rather than what they're doing with their fists and... Their high heel shoes. Well, you need that <laughs> connection. The audience need that. They need to. They need to find some kind of yeah. sort of emotion within themselves that they see in that person as well. And you know, even though um, Bruce is is, uh, is you know he's all sorts of wrong. Aye. Uh, he's. You still feel you want to watch his journey. You need to see that journey through with him. He's also very well, funny. You know. Hilarious. And um, and the thing about James is he's actually believe it or not very funny. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, 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 you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's he is, he well, is a very funny guy. To quote you, James, 
This might be, you might be misquoted. Don't eat uh, yours, I've no. got quite a dirty <laughs> in an inappropriate sense of humour anyway. I do have a very dirty and inappropriate <laughs> sense of humour. Perfect yeah. for the part. I was, I was in Toronto at a film festival uh, with a bunch of Americans who I made a movie with in New York. And every day of making that movie, they were sort of taken aback. It took them a couple of weeks to get over uh, my filthy sense of humour. And actually, I had just come off this film as well, so it was, yeah. it was upped. But this film sort of took my filthy sense of humour by the horns and <laughs> rolled it through many brick yeah. walls and, uh, and then stuck adrenaline in its arse and, and made it even angrier and, <laughs> and dirtier. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't the James yeah. McAvoy that your mother loves, but like that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I imagine it was, I mean, in terms of the role, what a great role to get your teeth into. It was an incredible role. It was... Um, it's something that I've always been interested in that is probably less evident in the movies that I've done in the past, but still there sometimes. So like uh, in Last King of Scotland, when you're playing somebody who apparently is a normal, nice guy, and, and he is, uh, but actually you're trying to make the audience like you on purpose so that then the audience can make palatable the bad things that are about to happen. They are uh, empathizing with you so much that they can see the bad stuff and not just shut off from it, you know? And also then halfway through the film or near the end of the film, sort of be a little bit dubious about how, how they feel about you because you've kind of taken them and you've, you've, you've abused the audience a little bit, you know? Uh, and in Filth, it was a huge sort of expression of that type of manipulation whereby you're coming out and saying, I'm an absolute demon, but I'm going to try and make you like me. And if you do like me, you're probably going to not like yourself for liking me, but I'm going to hopefully try and do that to you anyway. There's going to just be people who don't like it anyway, but there's going to be people <laughs> who feel conflicted about it. And causing that tension within an audience member is a really interesting thing to me, to make people enjoy an experience of watching something that they are not comfortable enjoying is conflict. That's drama happening inside the audience, and that's exciting to me. Um, and then on top of that, the most, the most interesting thing to me was not just the fact that it was really funny or really bold and brave, which it is, and those were attractive uh, features, but um, the fact that it's a, it's a portrayal of a guy's mental health issues that... Uh, whilst not naturalistic and realistic in any way, and I wouldn't pretend that that's like how people's mental health problems manifest themselves or how everybody's journey in mental health uh, manifests itself. It's something rang true about it because it's not just sad and depressing all the time. It's not just low and it's not just slit your wrists. Um, there's high, you know, when somebody is a maniac, it means there is mania there. There is high energy there and and there can be hilarious energy in mental illness from my own experience and uh in my own experience of of that type of condition and that type of experience made this script ring really true there's a kernel of truth that allows a really artistic and surreal flight of depravity i was going to say fancy but depravity um and, but it, it's kernel and it's nub. It's still really truthful to me, actually. Yeah. And I found that really refreshing because it wasn't just like, oh, here's a film about mental illness where the, the guy's like just walking about with dark circles under his eyes and, you know, he's dead sad all the time. Yeah. What, how, how do you prepare? How did, how, what was the preparation for, for the role? Was there, was there much preparation for it? Yeah, I just tried to get in... Co I, I believed the thing that we don't try to redeem him and we don't try to excuse him. Um... 
but I still needed to empathize with him. Don't need to like him, but I needed to empathize with him. And so the thing that I found that made me empathize with him was that I, I tried to nail down what it was that made him behave the way he did and made him ill, uh, and that was fear. Um, he's afraid of everything. He's afraid, and he's been afraid of everything for his entire life. And when I say everything, I mean like you people, the color of the chairs, the color of the next guy's skin, the, the sex of the person sitting next to him. He's afraid of his colleagues. He's afraid that the world is dangerous and that he is weak. And he's afraid that if he lets the world see that in him, the world is going to eat him and kill him. And, um, and, and that's why he puts up this facade. And he's been pretending and putting up this facade for such a very long time that the, the boundaries between what's real and what is fake and what's fantasy and this image that he projects start to break down. And that's when we meet him. So anyway, the thing that I did to prepare is just sort of imagine all the things that frighten me and make me afraid and scared and imagine if I lost control of those fears, because I'm in control of my fears, so I don't go crazy. Mm. But we're all just a quick sort of rationalization away from flipping out because we believe the thing we're afraid of is actually going to happen. Um, and I suppose that's, that's the thing that breaks you, isn't it? Uh, so I just started to imagine all the scary things that, that I pretend I'm in control of, uh, I'm no longer in control of. And I ate a lot of pies and I drank a lot of Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> and I drank a lot of whiskey, actually, which I don't, you know, I drink a wee bit and I enjoy a fair old drink, like, uh, in a spike, you know, like a binge every now and again. Um, but I don't do it every night. And, um, and I tried to drink every night to the point of being really drunk. <laughs> um, just so that I kind of woke up the next day feeling the way that he would feel. And I th that's not a method thing and I'm not a method actor in any way, but, but it was quite nice to be able to go to work and, uh, and be like... <sighs> <laughs> oh, I fucking hate everything. I hate myself. I hate my breakfast. I hate my shoes. I hate my pants. I hate everything. Uh, and that was quite nice. Um, an amazing cast as well. I mean, James, obviously, fantastic in, in the lead. But what an, inc an incredible cast within this film as well. You know, Jim Broadbent, who decides this kind of almost like mad scientist kind of approach to, to his role. Eddie Marzan as well. And, and did you have, you know, when, you, when you're writing that, the, the, the screenplay, do you have in your head those faces or those actors that you want to see in those roles whilst you're doing it? Yeah, you, you definitely do. You have an idea. You kind of choose a few actors who, who and usually they don't, not because you want to cast them, just because, especially when you've read the book, you've got a preconception of, of what they look like. Um, so, so you do, uh, and then, uh, and usually that sort of turns into to other people. Um, but we were very lucky on this film. Maybe not lucky. Maybe we sort of deserved a good cast because uh, uh, because we worked a lot on a script, you know. And I think a good script will always attach good actors, regardless of what the budget is and what they're getting paid. But what really helps is when you get somebody like James McAvoy, um, and, and refer to him in the trade as actor, like an actor magnet or actor bait, because <laughs> James is, you know, is a, is, a, is a guy who will attract, you know, other actors. And, and what happens is. You know, you, you, you attach your lead actor first, so you get James, and then, then somebody like Eddie Marson will come along, and then somebody like Shirley Henderson and Jim Broadbent and Jamie Bell, not necessarily in that order, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but certainly, you know, as, as, you know they, will, they will come through. And, and, um, but you've got to get the good material, first of all, you know? I mean, you don't get James McAvoy if you've got a shit script. Yeah. Um, I don't think, do you? For me, like, it's one of the best scripts I've ever read, um, oh, certainly you. in the last couple of years. And... Um, and I've only had this response to a couple of scripts, but Narnia, last, not Last King of Scotland, Atonement, and this, uh, I just, like, 
knew. I just knew as soon as I finished that, I was like, I want to do this and I know what I want to try and do with it. You know, whether or not an audience actually responds to what I want to do with it, that's a different matter, but I know what I'm going to do and I'm, what I'm going to try and do to the audience. And that's only happened, like I say, three times in my career. And I've been acting for, what, 16 years or something like that. So it's do you work quite collaboratively? Us too. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we did because because we, we met each other probably about a year before um the before we started shooting, yeah? yeah. Um and you know, we'd keep in touch and stuff. But then when when we started rehearsing we, we you know, we we would because James is pretty much in every scene, he is the film, you know what I mean? He the film is Bruce Robertson, which is obviously James McAvoy. So we, we were working with each other a lot and bouncing ideas off each other and then, you know, working with all the diff different actors. So, so we did work closely. And then, obviously on set, that, that's a given. But then James uh, had some downtime from another project and he came into the edit as well. And we, we talked about different things as well. So we kind of built up a good, good relationship uh, right all the way through. And like there's, there's kind of like four kind of amigos in this project. And it's, it's myself, James, Arvin Welsh and, and Ken Marshall, who's, who's, who's the producer. And... Um, and, and we really were the, with sort of like the, he's over there somewhere. Ken's over there. Hi, um, Ken. So, so, um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we, we, we did. We, 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 we were a bit of a team, yeah. And does it, does, it, does it make it easier or harder when you have, you know, when Irvin is there in the background or he's there kind of, you know, just help? He's there. Just get this I image of him. I can imagine Irvin being in the background, actually. It's not a man who would ever be in the background Irvin, anyway. Irvin, or, or is it? Irvin, had a, Irvin actually had a cameo in the film, uh, <laughs> but we had to cut him out because he was so bad. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's one of the best writers in the world and one of the worst actors in the world. <laughs> but no, he's a very close friend now, Irvin. And um, and uh, so even if he hadn't been Irvin Welsh, this guy who who he was uh, was was a great mentor for me, you know. And and, mm. and and tell me what to expect. And he just became part of the family. He's a very unassuming guy, uh, but having his name to support the project, um, you know. And you can see it now with the press. Everybody wants to talk to James and Irvin and, and stuff. And uh, he's, 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 he's a great sort of benefit to this movie to, that puts his stamp of approval on it, you know. Yeah. But he was never, ever interfering at all. You know, he was, he was just there to say, I'm here when you need me. Yeah. Take me in. If you don't need me, then I'm, you know, I'm fine. Um, another thing that I think that's so important with, with films, and I think this, this is another great example of his music, um, you know, whether that be, you know, Music that we've already heard, whether it's original scores that's written by you, you or use Clint Mansell on this this film, amazing. He's amazing, eh? He's yep. incredible, and he's worked on a fantastic. I mean, you look at the films he's worked on. I mean, most of Aronofsky stuff and what whatnot. But um, was he always the person that you wanted to bring in to 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 bring that side of it alive? Desperately, actually. Yeah, I mean, Clint. Yeah. Clint was again was there was a, with this. It was a small budget film, it's a low budget film, but we've we've managed to make it hopefully look with the cast that we've got and, and with the cinematographer that we had, it was a very experienced guy, with guys like Clint Mansell, we've managed to hopefully make it look a lot more than a than a than a low budget film. And Clint was a friend of Irvin's, so there's a lot of that going on. There was a lot of oh, he's a friend of his. Blah, blah, blah. So he was obviously a huge. I mean, he's you know he's done Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream. He's, he does, he's doing Noah just now with Aronofsky. And uh, myself and James met him, and, and we, you know, because he's, he's got this reputation of doing really dark music, we were expecting some, like, vampire to come through the door. And, <laughs> you know, and, and he's just a very, again, a very unassuming guy, and he, and he fitted into the team because yeah. we, we, none of us really take ourselves that... We take our work very seriously, but we don't take ourselves that seriously. And he kind of fitted in, James, am I right in saying that? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, um, we desperately wanted him 
to the point where, you know, for reasons that I won't go into, uh, and not out of his desire not to do the project, we, we all sat around a table one day with him and basically sort of gently felt him up <laughs> to, to make sure that he did it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and he was like desperate that. to do it. He was desperate to be part of it, but things, you know, in his life were not allowing him to do it at the time. And, uh, and we just really gently, touchy-feely sort of caressed him back into the film, which, yep. was, which was good. It's a strange image I have in my head right now. And on that point, we're going to go to a clip of the film. Um, this is just a great setup of, uh, and I think the very start of the film as well that we have for yeah, you here. It's quite near the top, yeah. Scotland. This nation brought the world television, the steam engine, golf, whiskey, penicillin, and of course, the deep fried Mars bar. It is great being Scottish. We're such a uniquely successful race. And as my wife Carol always says, there's no place like home. Games are always, repeat, always being played. Thank you. I went, to, um, I went to uni in Edinburgh, and it's, it's set in Edinburgh, and it just, you capture an incredible authenticity to Edinburgh, Excellent. I think, as well, in the colours of it, and just, I don't know, just you feel the kind of, you feel the city watching it. Think as well. well, it's uh, this funny you should say it because most of it was filmed in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> nah, most of no. it was filmed in Glasgow. Yeah, no, I'm only kidding. Most of it was actually filmed in Stirling or Glasgow. The, the exteriors were done in Edinburgh, obviously. Yeah. But and the cast is largely Ouija's pretending to be for Edinburgh. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, that's show business. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all bullshit. Uh, but no, we, we, uh, we, did, we did our main uh, sort of important exteriors in Edinburgh just to give up feel and stuff. Yeah. And, and um, and I studied in Edinburgh, so so I know the town uh, quite well. And I was very scared about not pro portraying Edinburgh very well because I didn't want to have to deal with Irvin Welsh's wrath, you know, if I didn't. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and James did a very good Edinburgh accent and subtly, but very convincing. Um, right, we're going to throw out some questions to our, our very large, lovely audience. So if you'd like to raise your hands if you have some questions, uh, we've got a gentleman right there. Thank you. Um, Firstly, I'd just like to say if the uh, uh, Scottish Tourist Board has any sense, they'll use this film in its next ad, ad campaign. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to Shit. James, uh, would you consider playing the character again? Bruce. Uh, Bruce, doesn't, Bruce only appears very briefly in, in crime, doesn't he? Does he appear in crime even? Uh, no, he, his, he his, name, his name appears in crime. Ah, right, okay. Um, yeah, I'd play the character again, but wouldn't it be like a really good story? And, and also, Irvin's not... Written it and, and all that. Yeah, basically it's a good I'm question, saying, i got to say. Yeah, basically, question. I'm saying yes to that. <laughs> uh, no, I, listen, I loved playing that character. So if in some incarnation he somehow came back and the script was awesome and he was directing it or something like that, then yes, definitely. Thank you, sir. Uh, we've got a couple of questions just behind you there as well. 
Uh, I have seen it. It's brilliant, by the way. Wow, um, I was just wondering if you filmed in sequence to follow um, James's character going progressively more insane, or if you did it in between. I no. wasn't sure how it worked. No, no. A chance. No, no a chance. I mean, that, that again. I mean, I hope it doesn't sound like a love in, but that's how. I mean, it's it's not unusual to film out a sequence, but for a film like this, when there's a real real amazing progression and he's, and he's swapping he, he, you know he's, he's swapping very quickly from even within a scene sometimes from very funny to very tragic um, he had to do it you know and he had to come in one morning and I had to say James be funny or James be a mental or James be violent or whatever so, so we didn't but again it just shows you the, the, the standard of this guy's acting you know thanks mate next question uh, was there anything in the book where you thought we just cannot film this. Tons. Yeah, but we... But <laughs> the, the, it's still out of scene, you've the, mentioned. There was, there was tons, but we, to be honest, we did film pretty much everything, and it's just that some of it hasn't made the actual movie. Uh, but even the most controversial stuff we, we, we shot, um, because even when writing the, writing the script, we wanted to... Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to be shy with anything. You know, this is a very bold, different, original project, and... and um, and the book is like that as well, and, and we would have got absolutely hammered for not uh, for, for not replicating that. Uh, the one thing that was the tricky thing was obviously the tapeworm that, that grows within the book. But we tried to personify that through one of the characters, which when you watch the film, you'll you'll see that happens. But we didn't we didn't want to shy away from 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 anything, you know. Will all those extra bits be on the DVD? Hope yeah, so. yeah. There's there, there's amazing bestiality scenes that will be in the DVD. Yeah. I'm joking. There's a, there uh, is a, yeah. No, there is a scene in which I have a sexual encounter with a... With a collie dog. With a collie. Yeah, yeah. a border collie. No, real it's dogs were hot, injured in you know when, filming. Do you, know when, do you know when people say, like, hey, it's filming sex scenes, is it awkward or anything like that? That one was actually... <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was And also, to answer your, that was in the middle of a farm in Belgium. Uh, so yeah. uh, yes, that was it's the only question. place you could go to get a collie who was yeah, up for the exactly. job. <laughs> my favourite, and my, it was also the scene of like my favourite ad lib of the entire film, where <laughs> when I said when I said to the actress, I said just imagine it's Andrea Kinchelskis, who used to play for she was Russian, so yeah. it was, <laughs> play for United. He used to play for United and Rangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there you go. <laughs> uh, and lady, there we got a little trio of questions there. Uh, sorry, I feel like we're hogging the uh, mic. That's all right, go for um, it. Someone's going to mention train spotting, so I'm going to do it. Do it. Go um, for it. It was a bit of a phenomenon. Fucking had to, didn't you? <laughs> Can someone just, get me? Get out. just had to. Security. <laughs> Is that that obscure Lithuanian film that nobody's yeah. ever seen? That's right, yeah. Right, the one that won the Palm Door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, that was a phenomenon when it came out. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. remember it clearly because I'm old. But um, is, is, does its legacy help or hinder you when you're, when you're I, wanting to promote this film and stuff? Everyone's going to be talking about it, right? Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it helps because, uh, you know, everybody knows that Irvin wrote Transport. And it's a very different film. Yeah. Um, and Irvin, you know, has, has gone on record to say that he compares it very, very favourably to that film. And there was, we weren't under any pressure making a film to be like Transport. And if, if, I, was, if I was doing a remake of Transport, then the pressure's on. If I was doing a sequel to Transporting, then the pressure's on. But there's no more pressure making filth than there is for somebody following up a Stephen King, uh, you know, novel like uh, you know Misery compared to Shawshank Redemption. You know, they're still they're still done by these the same author, but just very different films. Uh, maybe this is slightly more like Transporting th than those two films are. But 
there was there was no pressure there because we were very confident in, in what the material was. Uh, but it, so I think it's more of a help really than, than anything. That that film. It's a fantastic film. It's it's one of my favourite films. And Danny Boyle is, is you know James has worked with him recently. He's a fantastic director. So it's all positive. All positive. Question, lady in the front. Question. Hi, um, thank you for this film. I love your work. Uh, Richard Sonda, what is the funniest moment during the filming? You do that, James. During the film? Uh, Apart I'm from the rubbish at that question. Whenever <laughs> I do press things, people go like, hey, any funny stories from the set? And I'm like, there were tons, but can I remember any of them? No. Uh, I, th uh, I think maybe, maybe when we were doing the dog scene... You were, I when knew we, it was going to be the, the dog this, again. The dog yeah. scene was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment yeah. doing the dog scene where... Uh, <laughs> It was the dog scene, definitely. Uh, it, was, it was probably the dog scene. The dog uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was also weirdly, I had to like, I had to, I had to sexually harass, harass uh, an actress in this film, uh, who happened to be played by my sister, who's an actress, <laughs> called Joy McAvoy, and um, and she's brilliant. Uh, she and and that scene was it was very horrible and intense and all that kind of stuff. But because it was my sister, we were just pissing ourselves laughing the entire time. And, uh, and I asked her to basically suck my balls. And, uh, and that, was, that was just like, at no time when we were sort of seven years old or whatever and, and sort of arguing about who could play Super Mario Brothers on the NES, did I think that I'd be acting with my sister and telling her to get her tulips around my plums? Bulbs, bulbs, sorry. Yeah. Because she plays a florist. Yeah. She plays a florist, tulips, bulbs, get it? Yeah, it's yeah, good. Uh, we've got time for one last question. Is that right? Okay, one last. No. A couple more? No? Oh, there we go. More. All right, right. Sorry, I thought you were saying wind up. Right, more questions. Hands up who's got questions there. Come Anyone? on, somebody brave. A real brave there we go, one. over here. Um, to James, when you play a character like that, such an intense character, does it stay with you, even though you say you're not method, or can you turn it off? Um... Uh, this particular character, weirdly, no, I mean, I think I probably went home very tired and, you know, because it, it took a lot of energy, the character, but weirdly, this, uh, this character came, and it would be a surprise to a lot of people because it doesn't seem like I'm I, sort of obvious casting for the role or anything like that, but this character came more naturally for me than a lot of parts that I've played. Probably because I believed in him and I believed, you know, as surreal and as heightened and as... as, as fantastical as, as the film is and his persona is at times. The truth of who he is at its core is somebody that I understood and believed in wholeheartedly. And um, so probably not, actually. I did feel tired and I did feel really hung over a lot. Um, <laughs> but in terms of coming home with the character and the work, probably not. The only thing is my sense of humour did become way more filthy yeah, and it is already filthy. And my wife started to get a bit like, "This is getting too much, mate." <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the only thing I took home. Yeah, dirtiness. Next Hiya. question, lady there. Is the microphone coming your way? Oh, sorry, this lady. Uh, hi. Um, did you listen to any particular music to get into that character, like violent music or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I used to weirdly. I used to listen to a Deacon Blue song. Uh, I think called "Born in a Storm." Um, and uh, that sort of that that worked. Um, and then there's a Keith Jarrett. Uh, uh, he's an improvis uh, 
not always improvisational, but he's an amazing improvisational pianist. And there's a, a recording that he did in a German city called Köln. Uh, I think it's just called Keith Jarrett, the Köln concert. And it's like a 60 minute him just improving. And it's incredible. And it's so, tr it's so sort of true and comes straight from him. So human and so full of humanity that you can sort of put anything you want on that piece of music and it helps you as a character, you know? Um, so I use that and this Deacon Blue song quite a lot, but I don't always use music, um, but those two did help me for that. Quite that question. lady was desperate to ask a question. Okay. Sorry. No, no, go for it. Sorry. Bye. Um, this <laughs> got Deacon Blue and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is for James. Um, I saw you in Macbeth, and you were amazing. Thank you. Um, you're very welcome. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> We've only got let me eat time, love. Come on. Um, that was quite a serious role, and it was quite angry. And because it's done in length, whereas obviously the scenes, you do it in takes, and they're quite short. Yeah. Do you think you'd like to do a serious role like this on stage? Yeah. What, like Bruce? Yeah. yeah. Like, because you've... You're quite known for like being the like British sweetheart boy. Yeah. So you've got your bad boy role now. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I found? <laughs> I found. Thanks very much. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I found that the whole year has been leading up to Macbeth, really, because it was like started off playing a sort of like a grumpy guy and and welcome to the punch, and then I played somebody who was a bit mental and trance and a bit angry and a bit violent, um, and then I did filth, which absolutely sort of like took that to another level. And weirdly, I felt like Bruce and Macbeth are very, very similar. They're both hugely traumatized and uh, tenuously holding on to reality. Um, and so those two parts kind of bled into each other for me. In fact, somebody came to see Macbeth and went, all right, James, bit of Robbo and Macbeth tonight. Really? And I was like, fucking ton of Robbo and Macbeth <laughs> tonight. Um, so it would be weird taking Bruce and putting him on stage I think it would be a hugely theatrical experience. It would it'd be quite an interesting. Let's do it. I think that'd be an interesting job, actually. Yeah. I'd be up for Let's that. But, um, Apple uh, will obviously fund it, right? You what? Uh, Apple, we're going to fund it? Yeah, hopefully. iTheater. Yeah. iTheater. 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 Yeah. 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 Yeah, just done. press an iPod and then it you plays appear. happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I'd love to do something like that on stage. But I feel like with Macbeth, I've already started to do that. And then if I do that anymore, then people will get fed up with that. So I'll need to do something else next. Thank you. Do you, as an actor, do you need that 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 theatre fix? You know, every every to break up the 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 film thing every now and again. Is it, is it a different a different approach to acting, obviously? But yeah, you get to tell a story in one solid go, and it's just you really and your colleagues, perhaps, um, depending on the size of the cast, and you're just in charge of telling a story. And unlike with film, where we tell you where to look, we tell you how to feel about where you're looking. We tell you that through music and angles and lighting and and sound effects and and all of that, and close-ups or wide shots. With theatre, it's just really, you know, it's us on stage with you, and, and if you're not looking at the right person, if you're not looking at the person that you should be looking at, it's our fault. So we've got to make you look where we want you to look. We've got to kind of attract you to look that way, do you know what I mean, and, and listen to the important things. And It's just a much more immersive thing for an actor, and also it's a workout. You know, even if it's not a physical play, mm. you come away sort of losing weight and getting stronger and it just feels like physically what you should be doing as an actor whereas on film or telly you're you're telling stories through time you're time traveling and it makes no sense and you're filming it out of sequence and you're telling the story to a bunch of people who aren't even there and when they are going to be there it'll be a year from now and you know can you really capture something 
in that moment that will survive on film and make any impact on somebody a year from now and stuff. And that's, so it's a very different process. And I do love doing theatre. I'd rather do good theatre than good film, but I'd rather do bad film than bad theatre. Because bad theatre <laughs> is fucking horrible. <laughs> um, and it feels horrible to the audience, and it feels horrible to me, and, and all of that. Um, but bad film, I can watch a bad film, and I'm like, ah, whatever. But watch a bad play, and I, like, it's like somebody's reached into my heart and grabbed it, you know? Um, so yeah, it feels like the, the the script for for this. You know, you you kind of joke about putting Bruce on on the stage. The script for this does kind of feel quite theatre like it as is, well. In yeah, terms it's of definitely. Is, but and I always wanted kind of the the performances to feel quite heightened and theatrical as well. And um, you, you look at all these all these guys and you know uh, in the film like Jim Broadbent, Eddie Morrison, Shirley Henderson. Um, Jamie Bell, the, 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 we, we upped their performance uh, in terms of, uh, you know, theatrically, you know, yeah. and, and times uh, very theatrically, particularly somebody like John Sessions, his, his character is, is, is quite buffoonish, and, and, uh, but it's, it sort of worked for where we wanted to be in the film at that time. The second half, a lot less so, it starts to get a little bit darker and stuff, but the first half of the film is very, very theatrical and, and, and heightened yeah. and a bit mad, you know? I think that comes out of the film trying to uh, reflect Bruce's mental state, yeah. so that, you know, rather than just using the term theatrical as well, it's, yeah. it's, it's fantastical, you know, at times, but then with his mental state, utterly sort of, at times there's a profound, sort of truth and almost like he has profound perception and, and, and insight for brief moments in his life yeah. that are totally naturalistic mm -hmm. and, and realistic, but juxtaposed with moments of high surrealism. <laughs> yeah. Know? The Eddie Marsden dance scene. Absolute genius. The nipple tweet. Oh, it's is, amazing. Uh, it's, one of, it's, one of the last brilliant. it's one of the last things that we, we oh, shot. I never knew I had it in him. <laughs> we, 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 it's funny because we, you know, somebody like Eddie Marson, possibly James, uh, you know, Jamie Bell, they, they are they are the actors that you look at and you think who you associate with being very very funny, right? With the roles, I mean, maybe James more so, but but occasionally you've done like anyway, my, my point is this, right? My point, <laughs> you are, trust me. Uh, but you know, these guys are were. So, are so funny in real life, right? So when it comes to little improvs and you need them to improv and you're running against the clock, I was totally spoiled because, you know, Eddie coming up with all this nipple rubbing and, and, and all these mad dancing and stuff, it's a lot brilliant. of that's improv, you know? And it's because you're running against the clock in Hamburg, it's the last day of the shoe, everybody's... Do it! Now. Yeah, just, just be funny, <laughs> be funny, Eddie, the you know? The improv um, for Bruce became darker and darker yeah. and darker. Yeah, and some darker of that was... I was getting worried about you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's when I got started to get a wee bit yeah. worried. But yeah, but, but my po point being that, uh, you know, a lesson to any sort of budding filmmaker is um, get a good script first, you're going to get great actors and they're just going to make you look better because, uh, you know, they, 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 just, they just bring it off a page, you know. So. Okay, we've got time for one last question, I'm afraid. Can I get a lady waving right at the back? She's, I don't know if she's standing on a box, but she's, please, me, me. Blonde hair. Yeah. May please. Of course, there you go. We'll even bring you a microphone. I think. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> it's actually not a question, but... Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh no. It's a proposal. <laughs> In the end, it's a question. I uh, wanted to say thank you to, Jane, to James. I'm sorry, I'm nervous. Okay, so am I. <laughs> <For> <laughs> you don't seem like... <laughs> I don't like the way you're looking at me. I'm really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's far enough back, James. It's fine. <laughs> this is your humor. Um, thank you for a tournament. And thank you. yeah, it was it was amazing and like ch changed my life. And I read the book afterwards. It just oh. it's amazing and yeah. And uh, actually for Richard in Neverwhere, which All was right. very very thank good. You. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, like you came to this darker roles and then you kind of skip these romantic characters. Do you think you can come back to them? <laughs> um, we would love to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's actually quite a good question in terms of you've had yeah. a taste of this, this other side in terms of that we haven't had a chance to really see you get your teeth into. Is, is that you want more of that? You kind of... Yeah, I think so. I think... I do like the romantic stuff, and, and I haven't really done too much romantic stuff in a while. I did do The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, Him and Her, which will come out at some point next year, I think. They've just found a distributor in Harvey Weinstein's company, which is great. But, um, huh? Becoming, Becoming June. June. I made that one, so I can't make it again. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, did, I do enjoy doing that stuff, but only when it's good. And, and I haven't had stuff come to me in that kind of mold which has really made me think this is interesting and or funny or or touching you know um meanwhile i have received stuff that's dark and maybe more brutal mm -hmm. and less loving but which does fit or fill the most important criteria which is is it good yeah is it solid is it is it is it artistically merited? Um, and, you know, if something romantic comes in that's really good and interesting, then, yeah, I definitely would love to do stuff like that. But there's, a, there's also, there's also a there's, there's, believe it or not, in this there's film... There's romance in this. There, yeah. there's, there's, there's actually a, there's a character played by Joanne Froggett, who you'll know from um, Downton Abbey. Uh, she's not in the trailer, but... but um, there, there is this love, you know, it's, it's know, a really right? heart-wrenching stuff in this movie. You, you'll be surprised, you know, yeah. go along and see it, but, but you'll be surprised. There is a, there's a definite sort of emotional heart to this film that, that isn't portrayed in the... And only somebody like James can, can, can play out as well, play the bad guy, and then the next moment you fall in love with him, you know? So don't, you won't be disappointed, <laughs> thing, trust me, you'll be fine. That, the thing that we always wanted to do, and the thing that I thought I immediately wanted to do after I read the script was I wanted to make people like, laugh, against their better judgment. I wanted to make people repulsed, uh, and I wanted to make them laugh again and then cry. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody does, and some people just don't like the film. But that was what we always set out to do, to make people feel for this person who was, to begin with, set up as somebody who was so separate and so other and so never anybody that we could ever empathize with, and then hopefully manipulate you into feeling for him by the end. Yeah. Not excusing him and not forgiving him. No way. But making you feel for somebody like that is good fun to do to an audience. Do you know what I mean? It's an amazing journey. Um, and for those who've seen it, um, very lucky. And for those who haven't yet, 24th of September out in Scotland. 27th. Sorry, 27th of September out in Scotland. And the 4th of October uh, nationwide. So uh, go and see it. James and John, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very Thanks much, everyone. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. Yeah.